lot of things changed since some of those pictures. <laughs> uh, and it, it, Brent grew out some brown hair instead of blonde. <laughs> wow, this is a this is a surreal experience. And I didn't even know what I would say when I first stood up here today. Because how do you, how do you really know how to prepare for what you're going to say in these kind of moments? Um, I, somebody asked me this morning, are you nervous? And the answer to that is yes, because I want to do a good job. But I'm not quite as nervous as I was 27 years ago when I stood here for my first time. Um, I have a word today for you. And actually, God gave me this word many weeks ago. It's why I picked Moses for our final series, because uh, what we're going to share today regarding Moses and our church is so important. And today does mark a, a completion of a segment of our lives. Chris and I, have enjoyed so much this journey of being your pastors. But it's not the end of our usefulness to God. Don't forget, I've got that two- to five-year-old class. <laughs> We're anticipating that God will give us opportunities to preach the gospel in other places and to do things for Him. And it's also part of the journey of this church. It's certainly not the end. There's no end point for the ministry. It just continues to go forward. I thought it might be interesting to some of you to hear a little bit of this church's history. Because 97 years ago, this church is nearly a century old. 97 years ago, 1924, the first Pentecostal church in Springfield was born. Eight adults and some children met in a home. And of all things, they had a gas shortage. And they, uh, they couldn't get any, it was difficult to go into Eugene for services, and so they said, let's start a Pentecostal work here, so they did. They had uh, meetings from place to place. They had a tent revival. They got support from some other churches in Eugene who provided them with seating and a pulpit. They met in temporary facilities, and then they finally built their first building on 3rd and Main in downtown Springfield, the first church of their own, and they incorporated and named the church Springfield Full Gospel Assembly of God. During World War II, Pastor Arthur Highland led them to build another new, better, bigger, more modern facility on the corner of 7th and B. And that was a difficult time and a real step of faith for the church because World War II was on, so there was hardly any men to help work, and there were hardly any building materials. And every day I read that every Sunday the church would pray about the building materials they would need that week to build. And they would believe God for them, and they would go out on the search for those things, and they would come back, and they've built the building. In 1963, visionary leadership said it was time to leave that building they built on 7th and B and buy some land that was outside of town here. <laughs> this was on the far north undeveloped part of unincorpor the unincorporated part of Springfield. So they built out here, and I'm sure many people thought, why are they building out there where nobody lives? Nothing ever is going to happen out there. <laughs> and four years later, they completed this facility. I'd like to invite you when you leave today to consider stopping by at the uh, display, uh, the wall builders display out in the lobby. There's some pictures of them building the church. This church has had a series of long-term pastors. It's one of the blessings this church has enjoyed. Many staying for many years. And here today are some of the great associate pastors who have helped, uh, helped us while I've been here through the years. And I'd, I'd like to, I don't know where they all are. I'm just going to name their names. I'm not going to ask them to stand or say anything. Uh, they're all long-winded and can't let them do that. <laughs> speaking, speaking of that, I've been encouraged by something. As I was thinking about this, this day and, and knowing the time and everything, uh, did you know that they've just come out with a new Justice League movie? You've probably heard about that, a new Justice League movie. It's four hours and nine minutes long. I was encouraged by that. <laughs> I just thought, 
if for the kingdom we can't beat that, what's wrong with us? So, anyway, Pat and Audrey Hartsfield were the first to, to join our staff when I first came here. They stayed 13 years. Wonderful couple. Uh, innovative. Uh, loyal. Uh, we're so blessed by their ministry. And Pat seemed to be able to be a magnet of bringing others to minister along with him. Uh, soon he told me, I have a brother who is uh, just a, a great guy. And soon Mike Hartsfield came and joined the ministry here and uh, found a girl here in the church to marry, Amy, and so blessed by Pat and by uh, Mike and their families. Joe and Katie Coleman, uh, more friends of Pat from, uh, from the Seattle area. There they are. They're waving. Yeah. Uh, we were ready to expand the ministry more, and Joe and Katie came and joined us as associate pastors. And uh, Katie led the music. John, I mean, John, <laughs> John's an excellent. Joe led the associate pastor roles. Such a blessing to our congregation. And then John and Lee Gallinger are with us today. Uh, and I, John, uh, uh, just we, we, we met just in a, one of those God moments. He brought us together, and uh, I, he was a missionary. That, Lee and John had been missionaries to Africa, and they had come home. And he says, I just want to be back into shepherding. That's the very words he used. I want to be shepherding. I want to be involved in ministry. And they came and volunteered their time for like a year with us. It's such a blessing. It's good to have you guys with us as well today. New Life Church has also always had a wonderful community of Jesus followers. Not just good pastors. Jesus followers who built this ministry. Who taught classes, who ushered, who cleaned the building, who helped build a building. I mean, it goes on and on and on in all kinds of, ver so many various kinds of gifts. And today I want to express to you, the congregation, the people who are the living stones of the body of Christ, my sincere thanks. Thank you for the opportunity to not just minister to you, but to minister along with you. To realize that we are co-laborers together in Christ. Thank you for following my leadership. As I, uh, Sometimes I would propose things as we look back and we say, wow, that was a pretty, pretty audacious idea. But the church rallied together to do it. Thank you for your constant encouragement. I'm told... Every time I'm here, somebody will say something encouraging to me, and I appreciate it so much. Thank you for building together a lasting legacy that's going to reach the next generation. For having a vision that says this is not just about my age group, it's about the next generation, and building that legacy together. Thank you for your sacrificial giving. Sometimes giving after you've already given, after you've already gave, you gave some more. We've had miracles in giving. I just want to relate to you one of them that happened to remind you three years ago when we were, well, we finished the building now three years ago, but while we were in the middle of building, we had a campaign. We called it the Wall Builders. And we said, we want to raise $51,000 and we want to do it in three months. It was some extra cash that we needed to get some extra things done. And uh, we took up uh, faith pledges. We said, you know, Put down what you can give, and we're going to trust God that he's going to help you. And then we never bugged anybody about it again. We never, we never called anybody up and said, how about that? You're going to give. And we never even said to the congregation, here's where we're at. Come on, we just need a little more, a little more. We're going to make it over the top. We had the three months. At the end of the three months, we tallied up, tallied up what, we, what we received. We were shooting for $51,000. We received $51,300. I think we should praise God for that. I always joke that somebody gave $300 out of the will of God. <laughs> Thank you for sending missionaries around the world. Through the years, we have sent countless missionary gifts. And we've heard the reports and had the missionaries here. Thank you for being a missionary-hearted people. Thank you for growing as disciples. Thank you for loving my family through all the seasons of our lives. I saw pictures of uh, us with kids that are this big up there and then kids that are big. And I saw uh, all these different seasons in life, uh, all the different injuries I've seen to get, you know, in ministry, uh, wearing slings and, and different things. 
you stood by us. And I remember when, when Brent had his head injury when he was just a little junior higher, and uh, it was bad. And we were receiving bad prognosis from the, from the doctors, and they were saying, you know, he's, he's going to have brain injury, and he's, he's, you know, he's, he's, he might have personality issues, and all these different things, and, and how together this church rallied around us and prayed with us, and how God wonderfully undertook. And our little boy just became normal. And I remember standing before the congregation that day when that miracle broke out. And I said to you, I still remember the words, God has just proven himself to be the one that I always preached he was. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for opening your homes for ministry like life groups and all the things that we've done together in that. Thank you for the potluck dishes. It's interesting, Pastor Brent, you have to know something. At every potluck, every lady wants you to try what they made. (laughs) So prepare yourself for that. And I especially want to today honor all the people who have served as elders or board members within our church in the time that I've been here. And I would like every current and past elder to stand up. Every current and past elder, please stand up. Let's give them our thanks today. Thank you. These, uh, these people, for the past three years, have gotten up every day. It used to be Thursday. It's been Wednesday of late. Let's get up at 6 o'clock and join us for a tele- telephone prayer meeting as they hold up this, this church in prayer. And I believe one reason the past, I guess it's been four years now, four years that we've done that have been so blessed of God are those people who hold us up in prayer. Well, like I said, for, for this, this is an important day. For all of us, it's important. Marks the end of one period of time of ministry. And it represents a change for Chris and me that we're still trying to fully come to grips with. It just seems like tomorrow I'm going to come back and be the pastor again. I haven't really got my head around that yet. But as I told you last week, if you say to me, you'll always be my pastor, I will correct you and say, no, I quit. I will always be your friend. I will always pray with you. I will contend for your best. I will uphold you. But I will never fill that role of being your pastor again because there can only be one. And we're going to, we're going to follow him. It marks a new chapter for this church. Opportunity for all of us to be fruitful in some exciting new ways. If there's ever been an opportunity to say, here's a new door to walk through, here's something I've never done before, this is a great time to do it. Without a doubt, the things that God has in store are going to require new vision, new leadership, and new commitment from the church community. But that's what takes us from glory to glory. That's what takes us from one step to the next, to say, this is the time to do what we have never done before, because when we do what we haven't done before, we get what we haven't had before. And so the church is, is, is right now on the cusp of some exciting new times. And I'm so glad to be able to say, I'm going to see it with you. Without renewing, the fruit of ministry starts to wane. Uh, we have blueberries at our house, and I, they're, they're in these great big wine barrels, you know, and I, we just always go out and get some blueberries. I never think anything about taking care of them correctly. And I just read the other day, that I should have been pruning them, and it's too late now, so we're, we're you know, it's another year of not, not catching up. But they should be pruned so that the most fruitful branches remain. Jesus said in John 15, 2, he said, every branch that does bear fruit, God prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. The church needs to come to times where they say, it's time for pruning. And I really look at our retirement as the opportunity for the church to prune, pruning out the the old 
so that the new can arise that would be even more fruitful. So thank you. I agree with you, Brian. Yeah, let's, cl let's clap for that. Yeah. So let's look with joy upon this season for the body of Christ. Chris and I are entering into this new phase of life, retirement, with a strong commitment and a belief in what God has for this church going forward. And we are, we, this, we're at a very unique position because typically when a pastor is going to resign or retire or whatever, They'll just announce, hey, in four weeks, I'm going to resign. The board is working on it. They're going to find somebody. And then you kind of go through a, a time of limbo. But this church is actually in the starting blocks for what God has ahead. We aren't in a time of limbo. We're in a time of acceleration. So I'm excited about the times that we now live. And uh, the board has asked one of their members to come and just say a quick word. And, and David Pope, one of our just... Love this brother. He's coming. He's just got a couple of words he's going to share with us. And then, uh, then I'm going to actually begin my message. I've actually been preaching. Don't worry. Okay. He said four hours, right? We've got to beat that. So as I was preparing for this, you have to always ask yourself, at least I did, how do you sum up 27 years of ministry at a church? I really can't. So I depend on God to lead me to the scriptures. And so that's what I did. I've only been here seven years. So I'm just going to be able to give you insight from what I've seen in the last seven years. But which you have probably heard and seen over the years before. Hebrews 13.7 says this. Remember them which have the rule over you. And in other words, are the guides over you who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. That first word, remember. That's what we want to do. We don't want to forget. You want to remember. And Todd, what can you remember? This is the most positive man I think I've ever met in my life. Every time we come together, if I had a gripe or a complaint or I said something, he had a positive, positive flows out of his mouth. It, it's just amazing. His sense of humor. <laughs> remember that. I remember when we were going through the building project, how he brought us through that. Remember his leadership. There's the term, it's called man of God. And sometimes we throw it around rather loosely. This is a man of God. When we're coming through this pandemic, he led us through that. He's a leader. He's led us. But, on the other hand, when you get a pastor, it's a two-for-one sale. We got him, and we got this sister right there, Christine Wagner. What a wonderful person. Yes. She is a blessing. I will always remember hearing her play the piano. I'm a music guy, and when I hear somebody play an instrument with their heart, I like it. And she played with her heart, and I always appreciated it. And she had the servant's heart. We would have Thanksgiving banquets. We would have uh, potlucks and things like that. Sometimes the last persons that would be here would be her. She'd be picking up tables, folding tablecloths, picking up silverware, cleaning up. She has a servant's heart. Remember that. And she is a prayer warrior. Before we had the elders' prayer in the mornings on uh, Wednesdays and Thursdays, we had just a regular telephone prayer. And me and Todd and Chris and some others would be there. It was every Tuesday. And I want to tell you, when this woman prayed for you folks, there were times when she wept. I could hear her. Her voice would break because she loves the body of Christ and she loves you and she loves this church. Remember that. And 
I could go on and on. And the one thing that I'm going to remember, I've got to say things that happened for me. We had just started coming to the church and visiting, and my daughter-in-law was pregnant with my grandson, and she was in the hospital. They had uh, rushed her there. She was having problems with her pregnancy. I come walking into River Bend, and here's Todd coming down the hallway. Hadn't met him very many times at all. He recognized me. He stopped. He said, how are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. I told him, I'm going upstairs. My daughter-in-law is having emergency surgery. She's got pregnancy problems. He said, let me pray for you. Right there on the spot in the hallway, I'm thinking, wow, I'm getting prayed for in the hospital? He prayed. She had no complications. The surgery went fine. The baby was delivered. No problems whatsoever. And <laughs> Amen. Because his faith. He prayed for me on the spot. That was faith. Remember that. And remember, when he stands at the door, men, men of God, remember this. When you walk through the door of the church and the pastor's standing there, you're accountable to that man before God. You have to look him in the eye. And he, when you look him in the eye, they know. How are you doing? And you can say, I'm doing fine, and cover it up. But for me, it was accountability. It was saying, thank you for being at the front door, for greeting me and looking me in the eye and making me toe the line. He called me to the church office one day, and I thought, oh, my gosh, what, what did I do? <laughs> I'm in trouble. Oh, oh, a couple of days I thought this would work. Oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. I get in the office, and I sit down in the chair, and he asks me if I would be an elder in the church. That changed the entire direction of my life. Thank you. He had confidence in me. He has confidence in people. When he asks you to do something, it's because he's confident in you. It's that positive attitude. It's that, I trust you. I want you to do this. God wants you to do this. And that meant a lot to me. Remember that. Remember these things. And so in Philippians 4, verse 8 and 9, it says this. Finally, brethren... Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which we have seen in Todd and Chris's lives over these years, those things. And he says, those things, this is verse 9, which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Do. Remember what we have seen and heard and received from these two people. And I guess um, now I, the board has asked the pastor to stay on as what they call a pastor emeritus. That's a voluntary position. He's going to be here to give us guidance and to help us and to just to volunteer his services whenever he can. So he's going to be here. They're, I mean, they're going to be traveling and speaking in other churches, but they're going to be hanging around for a while, hopefully for a long while. Uh, and so I guess that's about all I can think of at this moment, except that we have something for Chris. We have a nice big bouquet of flowers. I was going to put them in a boot and say, Chris gets the flowers and Todd gets the boot, but I wouldn't do that. <laughs> so anyway, thank you. We do look forward to the new role that God has for us, and sometimes we'll be traveling just because we have the travel bug. Sometimes we'll be uh, if we're invited, we'll minister in any places that God may open up for us, but we also look forward to supporting the new pastor that you have here and the work going forward. All right, let's get into the meat of the word for just a few more minutes. Moses had come to the end of his ministry to Israel. The ending of one 
leader's ministry does not end signal the end of that ministry. It signals the change in the leadership. It changes, it, it, the, the journey continues and went on to something even more important. Moses got a word from the Lord in Deuteronomy chapter 31, where, where he says, The Lord has said to me, You shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God himself will cross ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord has said. So uh, Moses is speaking to the people, and he says, God has told me I'm not going to cross the Jordan, but he has raised up a leader who's going to lead you. God's purpose was ongoing. God isn't dependent on an actual leader. His power is what brings things to pass. Moses says the Lord God himself will cross over ahead of you. And he himself, he says, will fight your battles. He says he will destroy these nations before you. And his purpose was to complete that which he had begun. He said, I'm going to lead you into that land that I have promised you. And he's going to lead this church to take possession of what they were promised 97 years ago and what has been promised to generation after generation that's followed. God always provides the next generation of leadership. Joshua had served as Moses' assistant for many years. And, but, and he had always been there for Moses. You can go to that next slide. He had always been there for Moses. He stood outside the tent of meeting when, Mos, when Moses went to talk with God. He gave a true report when the other spies, when they, when they, when they gave their negative report. He led the fight against the Amalekites as Moses' hands were held up by those who assisted him. And when the time came for a new leader to be chosen, the tested Joshua was prepared. God always had a plan for who was going to follow. He's always had a plan for New Life Church as well. When the time came for our church to seek God for a new leader, that person was already here. He was at work in ways that we did not perceive. Three years ago, I mentioned to the elders, I said, we need to be thinking in long term, someday I'm going to retire. And when we do, we need to think about how that transition can take place. I had no idea in my mind what they would say next, because immediately they said, well, of course, Brent will be our new pastor. And I said, well, that's not known. They said, haven't you been working on that with him? And I said, no, it's never even been discussed with him. And they said, then please ask him to think about it. And Brent took a year to pray. And over that year, he decided that, yes, if there was still interest, that he would submit to the process. And you know the history of how we are to this plate today. I want you to always know that every leader, or every pastor, I should say, is an interim pastor. They're temporary. My ministry here temporarily filled the spot. Brent is about to step into that place. So Moses was praying for his replacement. And in Numbers 27, it says this, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation. That has been our prayer over the past years. God set a man over the congregation. God does the anointing and the appointing. We simply recognize that. And then Moses goes on to explain how a pastor in a congregation works. He said, appoint this man over the congregation who may go out before them, who may go in before them, and may lead them and bring them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be like, a she like sheep who have no shepherds. The pastor goes before the people. He is the leader. The, the, and the, there is a leader-follower relationship. Pastors lead congregations, and the congregations come with them in the journey. The pastor leads them out of certain things. Moses says they're going to lead them out. Joshua was about to lead the people out of the wilderness, and that was not always easy. During that time in the wilderness, some people had rebelled and fallen away from God. And sadly, that happens in people and in lives and in ministry. 
They missed God at the first opportunity they had to enter the promised land, and they ended up spending 40 years of wandering because of it. People died in the desert. And it was important now that they moved on from that wilderness experience and moved into what God had ahead. People, I want you to know, you can't live your life for years without having some trials, some difficulties, and some disappointments. And we all have to, to rally ourselves from those things and say, but it's time for me to forget about the past and move into the promised land. It's time for me to forget about the disappointment or the difficulty or the trial or the thing that has happened in my life, and it's time for me to move up to what God has next. As we talk about new seasons today, this might be a great day for you to make a choice to move forward with God. That some here today might say, I've kind of been sidelined in my relationship with God. Or maybe I've backslidden from where I belong with Him. This is a day to say, this is a new beginning for me. That I'm going to follow Christ now. Out of those old times in the wilderness, there also came victories. Amazing things happened. The Red Sea parted and they walked through. The tabernacle was built, as we just talked about last Sunday. Miracle food from heaven came on a daily basis. Water came out of a rock so that people had all that they needed. They had amazing victories over their enemies. They had a choice now to either stay in the past and relish that or move forward into things that were even more miraculous. Today we have that same choice. That we are not going to relish in the past, and I appreciate everything David said, and, I, and the slideshow got me, I thought, great, get me teary before I'm going to preach. <laughs> but we are not going to just stay in the past and relish the past. We're instead going to seize what's ahead in the future. You can't be a believer long without having a history of some victories. And I can tell you that I have amazing fond memories of victories here. But today marks a clear choice for us to move forward into the new glories that are ahead. Moses also said pastors lead them in. He says they don't just lead them out, they lead them in. This new leader for the congregation of Israel would lead them into a blessed and abundant land. They were going to live in houses they didn't even have to build. They were going to live in cities that had walls that they didn't have to put up the walls. They were going to, they were going to, pick, they were going to pick grapes from vineyards that they never planted. They, they, were, they were moving into a ready-made blessing for them. And their, their leader, Joshua, was going to lead them into that blessing. We are about to move into a new era in God. I think it's providential that we're coming out of this pandemic and out of this difficult time into a new time of harvest and blessing in God. Amen. Amen. It's time to move past COVID fears and COVID frustrations. My son-in-law has a funny thing. He said, what we do now is at the end of everything, we just say due to COVID. (laughs) You can throw that in on anything. Yeah, I'm not going to be paying my taxes this year due to COVID. (laughs) I won't be at work today due to COVID. If my team loses, I can just say due to COVID. We're going to move past that. I want you to keep the fond ministry, or fond memories of what's gone on in the past, but let's let them go and move ahead. No memory is ever going to move you forward. If you were ever hurt or disappointed or failed, this is an opportunity to let go of that as well. Along the way, Joshua would be challenging them to confront and overcome the impossible. It wasn't going to be just a cakewalk. There was a swollen Jordan River in their path. There were cities to conquer like Jericho. There were giants to slay in that land. A pastor in a church that dares to believe for the impossible will participate in the miraculous. Walk with your pastor in audacious faith that says, this seems impossible with man, but what is impossible with man is possible with God. In this upside-down world that's been turned upside down by all kinds of social pressures and political upheaval, we can be those who are upright in an upside-down world. That this church would be a beacon for that. And Moses says, 
that he would shepherd the congregation, that this pastor would be their shepherd. The church is not an aimless herd going in many directions. The other day, Chris and I, this talk about hitting retirement kind of things. Friday, I said to Chris, you want to drive out toward Alvador and look at the daffodils? <laughs> That's an old person thing to say for sure. She said, sure, let's go do that. So we drive out there, and I noticed the sheep. There was a, fields of sheep and the little lambs running around. It was so cute, but they're all going multiple directions. No direction to them at all. They're all fenced in, so there's no shepherd. But in the, in the Bible times, sheep had no fences. They were led by a shepherd. They had a direction that they were going, and the shepherd led them in that. We are not a fenced-in group of believers who God says, just wander about and do your thing. Instead, we are a people who have a shepherd who are behind, and we're saying, and I'm following the direction of that shepherd. The firm hand of a God-appointed shepherd turns that herd into an army. Today I'm handing off the mantle. I don't have a literal one. I thought about that. I get a scarf or something, but I just figuratively handing off the mantle. Elijah, of course, is famous for passing his off to Elisha. David passed his on to Solomon. Moses passed his to Joshua. There's something in common with all three of those mantle passings. Those who received the mantle achieved even more. They didn't maintain what the one who gave it to them did. They achieved even more. So today as we pass this mantle on, we have come to that moment. The Scriptures say in Numbers 27, 18, that the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you, a man, whom is in, who, a man in him who is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Set him before the congregation and inaugurate him in their sight. Along with the passing of that mantle comes a mandate to lead. Going on, the Scripture says, And you shall give some of your authority to him, that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. And here we are back to this theme. At his word, they'll go out. And at his word, they will come in, he and all the children of Israel with him, all the congregation. Today, I charge you, this congregation, with the command that Moses gave. To recognize that authority and to respond to it. Here is a truth that I want you to take with you today. You might write this down. Submission and agreement to pastoral authority will take you far. Submission and agreement to pastoral authority will take you, this church, you personally, it will take you far. God commanded the people to recognize this pastoral or shepherd authority that Joshua was stepping into, that at his word they would go out, they would come in, and that they would respond to this new leader. And Israel obeyed that command. In in Deuteronomy 34, we see this. It says, Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him so the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord commanded Moses. So I charge you today, to respond to the shepherding of your new pastor. New Life Church, you're going to go far. You're going to go far. And you will go into what God has in store. And I'd like Brent and Hosanna to stand right here. Chris and I are going to come and lay hands on them. We're going to pass a mantle. You can take off your mask for this, guys. You're coming over to our house later anyway. It doesn't matter. <laughs> The president said we could have a barbecue. I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) Today I want you, congregation, to extend your hands as we pass this mantle. In the name of Jesus, today we recognize what God has done. 
the call that God has made, and the placement that is from the Holy Spirit. The anointing comes from you, Lord, and we have simply recognized what you have done. And you have brought together this couple now for such a time as this. Lord, we pass to them the authority of pastor from this church, from me to them. That they would walk in a new understanding of power, a new wisdom, and a new strength. Lord, that they would have vision for the miraculous and that they would lead these people with love and compassion, yet with strength and authority. Pray, Lord, that they would have no fear in the unknown or what is ahead, but instead have great confidence as they move from this place to the next glories that you have for them. And as a congregation, Lord, we stand behind them and say, we are with you. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Moses gave a word to Joshua about his new leadership position, and I'd like to share that word with you. He said to them, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land the Lord swore your forefathers to give them. The Lord himself goes before you, and he will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Today, I'm charging your new pastor and their staff, Pastor Donnie, Pastor Ty, Pastor Bruce, and Pastor William, I am charging you to lead with your pastor. I want all of these pastors and their spouses, if they're with them, to stand up. From the example of Moses to Joshua, I charge you with four things. Be determined. Your purpose is a holy one. Let nothing stop you from that vision and from that direction. What you do in the kingdom has no compromise with the temporal worldly facades of success that are everywhere in this world. Be courageous. God has given you authority over the enemy and you are equipped with spiritual, war, spiritual weapons of warfare for the battles that will be in your lives. Be confident. The Lord has promised to go before you and the path before you is well marked out. Be confident in every step and be fearless. Do daring things for God and lead this congregation into an adventure that can only become reality through faith. I read today from, from Paul's charge to Timothy, and I'm making it my charge to you. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up a sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they would rather gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge the duties of your ministry. I will ask you today, will you receive this charge? And if so, say with me, I will. You may be seated. When we moved here, I was surprised that there is a mountain in our community called Mount Pisgah. It rises 1,100 feet above the valley floor. And Chris and I, on a couple of occasions, or she's climbed it more than me, have, have, uh, have gone to its summit. Chris and our son-in-law, Anton, actually celebrated their marriage at the base of that mountain. <laughs> Chelsea, who, who am I talking about? <laughs> Chelsea and Anton celebrated their marriage at the base of that summit. At the top... You can see Springfield, 
Eugene, and cities far to the north and far to the south. It's interesting to me that Mount Pisgah is a biblical name, that in the Bible there is a Mount Pisgah. It's also called Mount Nebo. It's an interchangeable phrase. In, in one verse I read, they had both names at the, in the same verse. Mount Nebo was of importance in the, in the time of Moses. It was at this range, possibly at the very place we're talking about, Mount Pisgah, where Balak sought to curse Israel. And he took Balaam with him up there. And Balaam could do nothing but pronounce blessings upon Israel. And he would say, as I see them, they're scattered out on the valley floor below me and they're blessed people. You remember that story? Moses climbed from Mount, climbed up to the top of Mount Pisgah at the end of his life. The scripture says, when he got there, the Lord showed him the whole land. From, Dan, from Gilead to Dan, all of Naphtali, the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, and the Negev, and the whole region from the valley of Jericho to the city of Palms as far as Zor. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land that I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, when I said, I will give it to him and his descendants. I will let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. From the point that we saw that, you saw the picture of Mount Pisgah in Israel a moment ago. From that vantage point, when Moses was up there, he could see the past and the future in a way. Because he could look to the west and he could see the place where they had come from. He could see the wilderness. He could see the Jordan River snaking by and he could see the promised land to the north. And as he looked there, he could look back and he could remember uh, hitting a rock and water coming out. He could remember building the tabernacle. He could remember the victories. He could remember how there had been rebellion, but God had forgiven the rebellion. He could remember uh, all the things that happened, the battles that had been won. As he looked back into that wilderness, he said, I can see the past from there. But then he could also see the future. Because when he shifted his eyes to the north. There he could see the land of Ephraim and Manasseh and Judah and Naphtali. He could see all the way to the great sea. He could see all that God had promised to him. And as he looked from that place, he said, I can see it all. I can see the past and I can see the future. And I am sure there that Moses worshipped. Moses didn't lead them into the future. He could just see the future. He brought them to the door so that he could lead this people to a new place and take them over to it. From this vantage point, he could see what God was about to do. And Moses rejoiced there because what God was about to release into Israel's hand. When I consider the view at the top of Lane County's Mount Pisgah, I can see the past. I can remember moving here for our first time. I can remember all the things that God has done. But I also, from this, event, from this vantage point, can see the future. I can see the battles that God is going to win. I can see the people who are going to come to Christ. As I look at this place, I can see levels of ministry and opportunities that we have not yet thought of. Victories and strongholds that have yet to be confronted. Cities that are not yet transformed. Schools that are going to be taken for Christ. Workplaces filled with disciples. Homes won for Jesus. Streets transformed by the gospel. People brought into the kingdom of God who have not yet heard the message. It will launch people into ministries and into mission fields that are just now beginning to be birthed into their hearts. We can see from here what God has ahead. And I will not be the one who will lead you there, but I see from my vantage point where you're going. And I rejoice with you over it because it's going to be marvelous in every way. It's going to be a miracle. So much lies ahead. And I thank God for the vision that we now share to say, look what God has in store. Thank you for allowing Chris and me to serve you as your community, as your pastors in this community for these past years. Thank you for the opportunity to use our gifts and to, and to grow into new things that we never knew we could do before. 
Thank you for allowing us to lead you into a new future for what, has, what God is leading us toward. And I would say this to you. The future is bright. It's yours. And like the promised land, it's yours to take. It's yours to take. Would you stand with me today? I would like to ask you to do something with me now. As the people of Israel responded to Moses when he said, here's your new leader, follow him into the promised land, they responded by saying yes. Today I would like you to respond to God by lifting your hands to God and saying, I am yours, Lord. For what you have ahead, for what this church has ahead, I am yours. I'm going to be one of those sheep who follow a shepherd. I'm going to move into the new future you have for us. That what we see today, the energy that we sense in our hearts today, would be multiplied many times over into what God has in store. Would you join me in praising God and send up a shout to Him that says, Yes, Lord, for what you have in mind. We do that now. Father, we come before you today with hearts uplifted, hands outstretched, Lord, with our with an enlargement of our spirit, saying, yes, Lord. Have your way and do what you want to do. Accomplish your will. We are at a mountaintop moment where we can see what's ahead. We rejoice at what was behind, but with, with faith and with thanksgiving, we say, God has so many more things in store. You can count on us, Lord, to follow in behind this new pastor you've anointed and appointed. And Lord, that we will be a, a, a group of sheep that turn into an army for you. Lord, that you will be glorified in the future that is for this church as we go forward. We praise you and thank you for this in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said with me, amen. Can you say it again, amen? One more time, say the Lord, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Praise it together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. I want to leave you with a blessing from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I want you to lift your hands and just say, I receive this in the name of Jesus. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen. For he who calls you is faithful. God bless you. We'll see you soon.